Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are excited to welcome Tamara Weiss and Amanda Benchley, who are the authors of Vineyard Folk, to our podcast today. I met Tamara and Amanda when I went to their book reception at the Corner Bookstore in New York City and immediately knew we should have them on our podcast. I have so enjoyed reading, devouring, and soaking in this book. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us, and um, and thank you for coming that that night to Corner Bookstore, where you just sort of, I think, saw, thought the book looked interesting and decided to come by. Right, um, exactly. Um, so that was that was lucky for us that we get to be here today. The original, the the seed of the idea, I came up with, I guess, two summers ago. Tamara remembers that I we were at the Rule Gallery, which are a couple in this in the book, um, Colin Rule and Nettie Kent. And I guess I turned to her and said something like, we should do a book about all these these wonderful people on the island, this this very special community. And it sort of grew from there and got meatier and, and more serious um, from that original discussion that night. Well, we were thrilled that you did have that thought because it's magnificent. It is. And I wish that we had known the two of you when we came last year to Martha's Vineyard. So we're definitely going to have to come back. So will you tell us, do you all both live there? Do you just summer there? And if so, how long have you been involved with this community? Well, I first started coming to Martha's Vineyard when my mother was pregnant with me. Let's just say way back. Um, so I've been coming my entire life, and my family has a home in Aquina, which is the westernmost tip of the island. And every single summer, without fail, I would spend in this tiny little community of Aquina, which was formerly called Gayhead and, and recently um, changed to the original Wampanoag name of um, the town. And then I lived all over in various other places, mostly in New York, had twin boys and got very tired of lifting a double stroller up four flights in uh, Tribeca and, and crossing Canal Street. So my then husband and I decided to move here. So that was 28 years ago and have been here full time ever since. So what Tamara's not telling you is that she's sort of known as as the mayor of of <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but yes, well, that's what what they what everyone says about you. You would never call it, you would never say that about yourself, but it is what everybody says. So luckily for me, when I I started coming up here with a, a romantic partner, and I guess is a nice way of saying it, in 2018. He had always come up here, but I had already known Tamara. So she just sort of swept us up and and introduced us and included us in everything, which my boyfriend had been coming up here for 20 years and he didn't even know sort of about these pockets of creativity that were all over the island and, until Tamara took care of us, which is essentially what happens. And she does that with anybody new on the island. She's one of the most gracious um, and inclusive sort of hostesses and ambassadors, I would say. 
That's remarkable. You're lucky to have her. I love in the book how you all have a combination of younger people and older people, and each one is incredibly talented in their medium. Every one of them, it seems, everything is so, it's diverse. It's all fascinating. But do you know all of these people personally? Well, first, I want to say, Amanda, that is all way too nice what you just said. And it's very easy to turn people on to people who are like-minded. So I will say that Amanda, being a creative artist herself, easily slid right into this community. So that wasn't a chore. Let's do so. <laughs> I know most of the people in the book is the answer to that. They are my friends. They are now Amanda's friends. And I love what they do. And I think when Amanda and I were thinking about who could be in this book, it obviously was challenging to limit the chapters to only be able to include 33 people. It's a small island with a lot of amazing talent. Um, so that was that was challenging to come up with. But what you were mentioning before, I think, happened quite organically. The diversity of the artists that are featured, the various ages. It's really lovely to hear some of the older, more established residents and artists on the island talk about the people that came before them, their own history. And then a lot of the younger artists refer to them as mentors. So there's a whole chain happening mm -hmm. and it, it happened quite naturally. So this is just one very small pocket of talent. And there there's a lot more to discover um, to anybody who might come to the vineyard. One of the things that struck me when we first or I first started coming up here was that if you go to sort of a, a gathering, a dinner or a pot, you know, potluck dinner, the crowd is very diverse in itself. It's it's it is the older people and the young the younger people, and that's just sort of feels representative of of, of this way of life. Because of you all, I went back the next week. I think I saw you there, Amanda, briefly yes. to hear Rose Tyron speak. And I, I, after reading your book and everything, I thought I would have loved to have been sitting at their house some night with all of those interesting people that they had coming over. So I can see what you're talking about, young and old people together, et cetera. Yes. And if there is a mayor on Martha's Vineyard, it would be dear Rose Styron, <laughs> who at the young age of 97 yes. does not miss a night of entertaining her guests on wow. the porch. And she wow. one of the chapters in our book and really has a lovely story to share. So yes. and now she has her own book. Now she has her own book called Beyond This Harbor. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. And movie. We discovered a movie, too. And the movie was made by another vineyard friend and artist and talent who I would have loved to have had more room and had him in here as well. James Lapine, who's a, who's a fabulous Broadway oh, sure. director. Yeah. 
Sure. And you know what? There's going to be another book. There has I know. To. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like we're getting a part two, but it also sounds like this book is an invitation. This is kind of just the beginning. And then people are going to, it's going to quench their appetite for learning more about all these creatives. Well, wouldn't that be lovely? Mm-hmm. So has it, do you think it's become more difficult for artists to be able to afford living on the vineyard? The answer is just fundamentally yes. And it's, it's artists and school teachers and nurses and electricians and plumbers. There just has been an incredible shift in the last several years where housing is unattainable for most people. But especially if you're a young artist with a family who's, if you think you, you read this book and, oh, I too can, move to the vineyard and get a house and live there, unless you have very, very deep pockets, you cannot do that anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think the statistic we heard was that the housing prices have gone up 150% in since 2019. Is that, is that right? Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably higher now, actually. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, they're sort of shocking statistics. Right. Kind of a crisis. Tomorrow, I so wish your store was still open. I know your business partner was Carly Simon. I know she's a friend of yours. Is there any chance you all might be considering opening something new? You are not the first person to inquire about that. And I will say we had a lovely, wonderful run with Midnight Farm. And it was because of that store that I met most of the people that I now know. Carly is one of my best friends for sure and godmother to my children and a full-time resident also living on Martha's Vineyard and was kind enough to write a little forward to Vineyard Folk, which is quintessential Carly charm. And we have other projects that we're working on together right now. So another store, I don't think so. And one of the reasons that I closed Midnight Farm, back to your earlier question, is because the rent went up to like $100,000 a year to be basically wow. selling things in the summer. So wow. it became quite quite difficult. And mm-hmm. I made a big point of staying open year round, seven days a week, you know, mm-hmm. rain or shine. Mm-hmm. So it was time. And thank you for that. It's lovely to run into people who are, mm-hmm. you know, you see it in the supermarket and they say, I got these shoes at Midnight Farm 22. Right. It's great. I love it. Yes. I talked to someone in the city this year that told me a story about getting a bracelet there. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that makes me happy. It was a fun run on to other things, I guess is what. Yes, definitely. It sounds like fun things. Ahead. And that, that store had to, was like home furnishings as well as clothes and jewelry as well, right, Tamara? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was also a salon of sorts. You know, mm-hmm. there, there was music and there were poetry readings and there was mm-hmm. food tasting. And it was kind of like somebody said when they saw Vineyard Folk, they said, this is Midnight Farm in a book, you oh, know, gosh. kind of just a Again. continuation in a way of some of those some of that feeling of community, which right. is so important to both Amanda especially. and myself. Mm, especially now. Again, 
please reconsider. <laughs> I'll come to New York City and open one. <laughs> I'll t- I miss the wholesale, I will say. <laughs> it was a shocker when I found out how much nice dresses and chairs cost. Right. Like, oh, my God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> like when Delia left Barney's. She's on the buying team. And when she left, finally, she said, I can't stay for your discount, Mom, any longer. <laughs> Even though if you were a really good daughter, Delia, you might have considered yeah. an extra year. <laughs> well, we had a business of our own to pursue. I know, but that, that's so true. then we are able to still sometimes have those discounts. And that's that's great. Kind of, you know, so yeah. it's kind of like you being able to continue working with these incredible brands and creatives, but in different ways as all good things come to an end, like Barney's is now closed, but y'all know so many directors and producers as well. Maybe this could also be a movie. We, you you never know. It would make a beautiful television series, which we, Oh boy, it would in the beginning, but who knows? We're just enjoying the birth of it right now. Sure. Oh my goodness. Well, Amanda, we were excited to see that you also, you've written multiple books. So you Mm -hmm. co-authored a book with Bridget Moynihan called Our Shoes, Ourselves. Will you tell us about that book? Um, Sure. Well, that that book started with a phone call from from Bridget, who is a a good friend of mine. And she said, I'm cleaning out my closet and I have all these shoes. Do you think, do you think that we should do a book about about all my shoes. <laughs> and I said, well, let me think about that for a little while. And then I, I, <laughs> I called her back and I said, well, yeah, I think we should do a book about your shoes, but I think we should make it broader and, and do a book about all, all sorts of shoes and the stories that they tell from women that we admire, the shoes of women that we admire. And we want to hear their stories. And it was a real vehicle for getting stories from people like Katie Couric, who had been on the Mm. Today Show for sort of, I think, eight years before she felt like she deserved to buy herself a pair of Chanel pumps. Wow. Which says a lot about her. Mm -hmm. Um, And Susan Collins and some Mm -hmm. senators and, and... Anyway, mm-hmm. that's so that was the book and the and the shoes that Bridget talked about were a pair of sort of combat boots that she bought right after she had had her her baby and the paparazzi were were after her and she right. was getting chased um through the streets of, of Beverly Hills and she went into Barney's again and <laughs> these new mew combat boots and she bought them and she sort of felt like those were her armor. Oh, absolutely. That um, again, sort of everybody prying eyes and everyone who wanted to know all about her life. Sure. So that, was a, that was a great project too. And, and similar in format with beautiful photos and then these, these very unique special stories. Well, I love that. We definitely need to read that book for sure. Mm-hmm. Tamara, where has your career path taken you? Oh, career is such an interesting word. Or Let's life. see. I'm such a chameleon and a project-oriented mm-hmm. person. Well, through Midnight Farm, my store, I made a cookbook with Clarkson Potter called Potluck at Midnight Farm because a lot of the people that I met when I first moved to the vineyard and through the store Mm-hmm. Uh, would come over to our house for giant potlucks. And that just is something that never really happened when we lived in the city in New sure. York. And potlucks became what 
we were sort of known for as a as a couple and Gary would go fishing during the day and he'd catch a giant bass and he'd call me at the store and say, we're having fish called 20 people. And then everybody <laughs> would come over. So we ended up doing a cookbook, which featured a lot of our friends at various mm-hmm. potlucks in all seasons throughout the year on the vineyard. And that was fun. And then also through the store, I started designing other people's houses and did a lot of that the whole time I had the store. It made it very convenient to pick things up from my store instead of having to order and wait six months for a sofa. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of interior work and became friends with pretty much all of my clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a real treat. And I still dabble in that to this day because why not? Sure. Um, it's fun. And then I made a documentary, produced a doc film um, called Born into the Gig that was also island um, inspired about children of rock and roll musicians and musical legends who are pursuing the same career as their parents and sort of taking a a look at how that works. How do you do that? How are you the son of or daughter of or grandchild of Bob Marley and you sound exactly like him and you're getting out there singing your songs? What is that like? So I did. And then that um, ignited a love of film and I'm currently developing two projects right now that I hope one day you'll see. And one is based on Carly Simon's memoir, Boys in the Trees, which is a beautiful book. And I'm trying to make that into a feature film. And we have a team together um, developing that. And then there's another project called Breaking Bread, Mm -hmm. also island inspired because of my relationship with Tony Shalhoub. Mm -hmm. Um, He will star in that. And that's an unscripted, travel, food, bringing people together, breaking bread story for television. Well, I have a question about that, about the the documentary with the musician's children. Is that already out? And did you say it's a documentary? How can it is a documentary? It's finished. It toured all of the festivals. It won awards. And then we got a little snagged in the distribution Mm. area with music rights and stuff, but we're Mm. still hoping to release it. Um, Right now I have to send somebody a link so they can watch it. Okay. Sure. With with a a few people from the vineyard are in it as well. Well, hopefully that will come to pass because I'll let you know. Yes, please do. We'll shout it out to everybody. Sounds fascinating. Yes. Did y'all see there's going to be a Bob Marley biopic? Yes. We're excited to see that. I know. Me too. Mm -hmm. Love his family. They're an incredible Mm -hmm. organization, the whole Marley family. And Skip Marley was 18 years old when we first started filming him. It's Bob's grandson. His mother is Mm -hmm. Sidella. And he's just an incredible talent. I encourage everybody who's listening to look up Skip Marley's music. It's really wonderful. So, Amanda, will you tell us about your career? Um, sure. I sort of have always worked in media and storytelling. And I first worked at A&E Television and the History Channel doing documentaries. And then when I was 40, I 
was doing freelance documentary work and having children, which was all a little bit complicated. <laughs> and so I decided to go to Columbia Journalism School at 40. And I thought I was going to be spending all my sort of coffee breaks with the professors, but instead actually the kids there, the students mm-hmm. all sort of took me in and wanted to hear all about my life experience because I was suddenly fascinating to, to them. <laughs> um, and then uh, when I finished that, I was just doing some, I wrote for some articles on arts, the arts for Wall Street Journal and other publications, and then did the first book, which is Artists Living with Art in 2015. And so then I've just been cultivating relationships and been on this sort of art and storytelling mm. path, which sort of lines up perfectly with all of my interests as mm-hmm. well. And it's a lot easier, as Tamara will tell you, I think, to make a book than it is to make a film. And to do it together. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But but the the act of putting together what I found in, in transitioning from filmmaking into uh-huh. books uh-huh. is that it's just it, logistically, it's much easier to oh, put together right. than it is and to than it is to make a documentary. Film. Right. That's insightful, too, because I mm-hmm. wouldn't have, you know, people that haven't made documentaries don't realize that it's pretty complex process, I guess. Yes, okay. we need a, a team. Right, right. Do, do you think tomorrow? Do you think? Do you oh, think? you need you need money. Yeah, you need to pay your team. I mean, the hardest part is is getting the money and getting the distribution. I mean, everybody sure. and their brother are documentary. There's so many yeah. amazing docs out, and mm-hmm. on this island in particular, there are some extraordinary documentary filmmakers, producers, directors, mm-hmm. camera people who all live here. And that, you know, if you were going to ask, how do I feel about yes. anyone left out, there would be 20 doc team people um, that we could have profiled easily. You could do, you know, and not just doc, there's there's regular sure. directors too, but this island for some reason, well, read the book. It attracts <laughs> creativity. Let's just exactly. leave it at that. I feel like it is a truly remarkable community and the artists that you have in the book, I guess they have to be really resilient, but they also seem hopeful and optimistic at the same time. And I know it can't always be an easy life, like we alluded to before. So what is the main message you hope, both of you, people will pick up from reading this book? Um, First of all, I love your language, resilience, hope, optimism, Mm -hmm. those three words, because that is absolutely indicative of anybody who lives here Mm. year round. I mean, we're talking about people who really spend most of their time here and you need to be all those things if you're going to live on the vineyard, because it's not easy to live on an island. I mean, you Mm -hmm. have to get on a boat and you have to drive from somewhere and you can't always leave when you need to leave. Um, I personally hope people feel that they are getting an intimate view into a world that they may not have known anything about. And I think that the collective vineyard folk stories and, um, and the book in general hopefully draws people in and lets them see intimately the lives of these people and how they do what they do and create and why the vineyard is their 
inspiration and why it's really important to preserve this island so that we have future generations of artists to maintain the status quo of of mm-hmm. art and creativity on the island. Mm-hmm. Amanda? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely with everything Tamara said. And also the fact that it is a difficult place to live mm-hmm. underscores the passion and mm-hmm. the connection that a lot of these people, especially the young people, feel about staying here. Mm-hmm. They're so connected and it is it is such a special place that, that they're willing to wow. meet several times during during the year for housing mm-hmm. or sleep in un, unheated like little lean tos essentially um in order in order to be here. And part of that is the natural beauty of the place and part of it is is the community as well. Yeah. So so people are killing themselves to stay here. Right. Exactly. Important. Another good thing about this book that I just thought about was that there are so many people that won't ever get to come to Martha's Vineyard. But when they look at this book, they can really get a feeling for the soul of the place. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. I think that's what we strive for with mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Kind of get get a get a visual. I mean, the mm-hmm. photographs are very real. Nothing was staged. It was uh-huh. nothing was moved. There are cords hanging and dirt, you know, Uh we didn't, we have a wonderful photographer, Elizabeth Cecil, who lives here with her husband and their child. And he's an incredible stone um, Mm. sculptor and stone mason and artist himself. And Elizabeth is really uh, one of the great photographers on the vineyard right now. And they're a young family. They could have been in this book as well. Well, they're really remarkable. I mean, they really are. The photographs tell such a story. And it's also so important. I feel like our world has moved away from community living and it's more about individual and digital. I don't know. But so I think this book could be such a great reminder about what living in a community could be and then maybe trying to strive to create one again. That is so well put. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the word community is everything to this island, to the reason that Amanda wants to come back now and and not live in her other summer place. You know, she wants to be here. And I'm speaking for her, I think, because of the community. And for me, I live here because of these people in the book. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of community on Martha's Vineyard that is not like anywhere else. And I lived in New York for a really long time and I love my New York community. It's just different. And it's a way of life. You know, you hike, you walk, you cook together, you go to art openings, you see certain people over and over because it's especially in the wintertime. You play Scrabble with Rose. You know, you, you can have a dream. (laughs) That's wonderful. Tamara, is there anything else you wanted to add about the community and all the things that y'all do together on the vineyard? I think just that community is everywhere and you just have to find it. And then Mm -hmm. when you, I I mean, there's so much music here for me personally, I Mm -hmm. find the music to be really thrilling. There are a lot of extremely talented musicians and then there are art openings that kind of signal the beginning of summer. Alan Whiting's 
art opening was always that first weekend of June. He shifted a little bit now and there would be hundreds of people would flock to the farm and then go to go to the house and see the paintings. And it would be a mixture of summer people. Mm -hmm. And as Amanda was alluding to earlier, like the diversity of community here. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so I would just say this is an unusual place and it's very mm-hmm. welcoming in terms of community. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and I was going to second that and, and and say that nothing is too precious here mm-hmm. and everything's very open and welcoming exactly exactly right. the word but I mean if you wanted if you read about Alan Whiting's opening you wouldn't feel like it's an opening in Soho or something like that that right. would be exactly. out of place. You just can right. go there. Right. And, or you drive by and you'll see a, a blackboard or chalkboard that says, you know, mm-hmm. opening Kara Taylor's opening was on Sunday at her gallery. And, and she just had a sign out saying, you know, come one, come all wow. um, on, on Sunday afternoon. And, and when you get there, it's not it's not right. As I said, precious. Right. There's and there, you can't there are a lot there. of people in the book just to continue that thought that create community where they are. For example, Julie Vanderhoop, who is a member of the Mm. Wampanoag tribe in Aquina, Mm. she's a baker and she's a town select person Mm. and she runs a restaurant. I mean, she does so many things and she makes honey from her bees. Mm. Orange Peel Bakery also is now a community place where people go to see dance and they share pizza toppings on pizza night and they sit at tables together and there are poetry readings and she works really hard to bring community together in her outdoor little mm-hmm. pizza place that started as a pizza place. And now it's a bakery and she built mm-hmm. her oven. And that's just one example of, um, of, of how a lot of the people in the book, and I'll talk about that when you ask me to describe mm-hmm some a chapter mm-hmm. we'll talk about mm-hmm. that a little more mm-hmm. oh that's great this should also not only invite people to come to martha's vineyard and learn about all these creators but it all, should almost be an example of what mm-hmm. a community should look like because we're in a loneliness epidemic so mm-hmm. this is a very serious topic and so this is a right. great conversation to have we have talked about this a little bit but will you tell us more about how you chose the people that you included in the book? Um, I can say a little something and then let Amanda speak. I I think that we wanted to make sure that we were including painters and writers and musicians and just kind of the first discussion was we need everybody, you know, and then we realized we couldn't have the boat builders and we couldn't have, we couldn't get everybody in here. Um, So really it was who, not everybody wants their world to be um, exposed and we have tremendous gratitude. I know I'm speaking for Elizabeth and Amanda um, to those that did say yes mm-hmm. to let us in to their homes and their studios and their lives and their stories and their sacred places where they like to find inspiration for their art. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it originally, it was like, okay, well, we know all of these people. Let's look at them and see if this works and makes an, an eclectic, diverse book. And it was helpful to know a lot of the people because I think there was already some trust mm-hmm. there with friendship. So initially it was, who do we know that we love and we want their work to be seen and we like what they do. You know, we mm-hmm. love what mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how it began, I think. And then it was very organic. I I, I know I've used that word before, but just was like, oh, if we're going to do that person, we should do that person. And then let's do this mm-hmm. person. And we wanted to make sure the island was represented from Chappaquiddick to mm-hmm. Aquina, you know, and every town has creativity and artists in it. So that was one thing that we made an effort to like look at all the different towns and do we have someone from Oak Bluffs and West Tisbury and mm-hmm. and and of course we do because there could be hundreds mm-hmm. of people in every <laughs> town on this little island. Mm-hmm. Amanda, did you all get together and and talk about all of this and Oh my gosh. <laughs> A lot. We spent a lot of time, um, a lot of time together. And I love to talk about tomorrow's kitchen table where we just mapped out this book mm. ourselves with the, mm-hmm. with the photos and we sort of collaged them and chose and printed everything out. And Tamara was very inspired with the black and with the idea of putting sort of these interstitial black and white photos of island landmarks in between the chapters as sort of little beats or palate cleansers between each chapter. So yes, we spent a lot of time. I was not on every shoot, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. most shoots I was there. And then a lot of time writing and editing together. And as I said, mapping out the the photos, Uh, those are, those are sort of my best memories actually from, from this whole process was sitting at tomorrow's table for afternoons and she's feeding me hard boiled eggs and, um, Luckily, we'd like to eat the same thing. That's true. (laughs) But again, because her her house, it looks like Mm -hmm. I think what Midnight Farm looked like. It's so comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's it's so of a in the the tone of of this book that it it just sort of felt like a real immersion and and Mm -hmm. very creative mapping that out and and really fun. And by the way, if Amanda couldn't be here in the dead of winter doing a shoot, <laughs> be on the phone. So she was at sure. every, you know, we just, when right. we would interview people together, um, pretty much almost everybody. And right. if she wasn't physically there, she was in the room. Right. <laughs> but the kitchen table to me is, is the, oh, right. the right. metaphor for the whole project. Right. Which is the, the metaphor for the whole community. Which mm-hmm. is, I was going to say, isn't the kitchen table it in every house? I yes. Mean, yes, yes. We need to get back to that. All right. So can each of you share one story or one chapter or whatever about an individual or a couple in the book? You definitely do not have to pick your favorite one. Obviously, that would be too hard. But just something that's an interesting story that could give our listeners a peek inside this book. That's easy. Because <laughs> it could be anybody. But Amanda, do you want to go first? or? Um. Yeah, because so, tomorrow and I talked about this ahead of time, and just to make sure that we weren't going to talk about this the same person. Not that there is one standout person, but and I, I first I thought I was going to talk about about Kate Taylor because I feel like 
she encapsulates so much of the spirit of this of this book and and of the creatives in this book because she you know started as a singer and a songwriter and then she started making jewelry and now she paints and so much of her art and her output is is informed by her her vineyard life and she spent her whole life on this on this island so i was going to talk about her but what i really want to talk about is the section at the end of the book which is the tune in tune out section because i feel like if this book is a love letter to the creative community then the last section of this book where where we filmed each subject in their most favorite island spot that's the love letter to the island itself and also for people who are maybe not interested in pottery or the output the the art that people are making this this is a great panorama of the island these these beautiful beautiful shots of people in their favorite settings um mm-hmm. which are the woods and and the beaches and mm-hmm. um and, and that's what I wanted to, wanted to talk about it because I think it's it's really important and it's really they're really beautiful and the quotes that people use mm-hmm. to describe why they chose these spots are so telling and sort of poetic mm-hmm. in themselves incredibly poetic and just for our listeners to know Kate Taylor is James Taylor's sister right yes correct So, well, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about a couple whom I know and love, Colin Rule and Nettie Kent. And she happens to be our quote unquote cover girl in the little shed of her rental house. If you look at the cover of the book, she's a jeweler and her husband, Colin, is a painter. And he refurbished an old shed on their rental property so she could have a little jewelry studio. But I chose to illustrate what this book is really about. Colin is a fifth-generation Menemsha, born and raised kid. And Nettie, her father was a painter, Doug Kent, a wonderful friend of mine. I have lots and lots of his paintings in my home here, and many people on the vineyard have collected his work for years. And she was born in a little shack with no, you know, Nettie grew up with no electricity or running water in the woods of West Tisbury. Her mother still lives here. Her sister lives here with her kids. And Colin and Nettie met, fell in love, got married, moved to Brooklyn to try to be a city family or to be a city couple. Mm -hmm. And they lasted there a couple of years. She made jewelry. He painted. He did some music. And then they had their first son, Rasmus is his name, who's completely wow, a horrible child next to his little brother, Wild, W-I-L-D, <laughs> and realized they wanted to come back home and they wanted to raise their children where they grew up. So they came back here a couple of years ago, not that long ago at all, and realized how are they going to make it work? Where? How can they get a house? They do what is called the vineyard shuffle. They move a couple of times a year from one house to another, and it's been getting increasingly difficult for them. They now are in a year-round rental, but it could be sold underneath Mm. them at any moment. And so they are unfortunately looking at land in Maine and other places because they don't 
they will not be able to stay on this island and buy a house. But in the meantime, unless a miracle happens, Mm -hmm. Colin's painting career has really taken off. And he, they have a gallery. um, And the reason that they could afford a gallery in Menemsha is it belonged to his grandfather. And it's a tiny little space that they completely redid. It's called the Rule, R-U-E-L Gallery in Menemsha. And they are open all season with Nettie's jewelry and Colin's paintings. And Colin documents, really, he's like a, he, I mean, he chooses to do this. He he paints the old way of life up island. He paints the older fishermen, the hunters, the people that he grew up with, the people that are now moving on that the old, you know, in their eighties and nineties. Um, and then he paints beautiful, beautiful Island vistas that are also vanishing before our eyes because of climate change and things aren't always looking, you know, in development and houses going up that used to be in a giant field that artists before him painted. So Colin is chronicling and documenting, I think for, this generation and the next generation, what the up Island looks like to him. And it's very rich with a lot of history Mm -hmm. and her jewelry is inspired by um, her walks on the beach, by the rocks and, and together they make a community center feeling at their gallery. They have openings, they host other artists they get oysters. He's now making oyster knives by hand. So they're, they're a couple who I think, I don't know, Amanda, would you not agree that they kind of represent a lot of what this book is about? I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yes, absolutely. Um, and their, and their gallery is, a, is a delight. The book oh, itself is, is charming. And, and then the work inside, yeah. and there's a sitting area outside where as tomorrow yeah. says, they have openings and music and oysters and wow. everyone, anyone who's walking by um, can drop in. That's great. Her jewelry looks so interesting. And it also reminds me of Edward Hopper when he painted the scenes of New York without the skyscrapers that were actually mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the old way, the older way of life, but um, this kind of leads to no, Daya has a question first. <laughs> oh my right. God. Well, growing up in Alabama, the only thing Martha's Vineyard seemed like a world away. And for, with Jaws, when we came there, I became obsessed with getting to Menemsha, but it was too <laughs> foggy. So we did not make it, but we'll have to come back. Well, you and Brad Silberling, another subject of ours in the book, who's married to Amy Brenneman, and he's now a very successful director. He lives in L.A., but they're mo- they're spending more and more and more time here. And he, too, was obsessed with Jaws. <laughs> His best work done when he's writing screenplays or editing or anything, he sits at the picnic table at the Menemsha Texaco station with all the Platter of summer and the noise, and he gets his best writing done there. Wow! You'll see a picture of him in the in the yeah. tune in, tune out section that Amanda okay. was talking about. And I love Amy Brunneman. So mm-hmm. that's. Oh my goodness! So I understand that you two are donating a portion of the profits from this book to the Island Holding Trust. Will you tell us about why you chose this nonprofit and what it does? It's Island Housing Trust. 
just to clarify the name. And Mm -hmm. there are hundreds of really wonderful organizations on this island. But because housing is at an all-time sort of crisis right now, um, affordable housing, attainable housing, housing insecurity is rampant. We thought it would be lovely if we ever make any money on this book, which we might, you never know, to donate to Island Housing Trust. And they are really making huge strides in getting attainable year-round housing on the island so that we can preserve this community that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think they just seem like a very worthy Mm -hmm. cause and we want to support all of their efforts. And right now, every single town on Martha's Vineyard is they're working with building um, affordable housing for low-income families. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to have to. You can't survive without the people they have they have built a hundred or so already, and then oh, the goal great. is to complete um, another. I think one hundred and fifty. I think they're in the middle oh, of a, a drive to get that done in the next couple of years as mm-hmm. well. So it, it is an ongoing um, mm-hmm. project that's had great success so far, and, mm-hmm. uh, and a natural sort of fit with with some of the themes in this book. Absolutely, and thank goodness they've already started on it. Yes, <laughs> that's great. That's wonderful. Well, Vineyard Folk is an incredibly gorgeous and well-written book. I feel like when you see this book now, I'm going to be able to picture what tomorrow's house looks exactly like in that (laughs) kitchen table. It's truly a work of art in itself. I want to thank you both for bringing this book into the world for all of us. And I wanted to ask if you have any final thoughts about your process of writing this book, your hopes for the future of the art community and this very special place. First of all, thank you both so much for your enthusiasm. It's really lovely and it's lovely to meet both of you. And we're very honored to be here. I hope that there will be artists in the future that remain on Martha's Vineyard. I think this place will always be a creative hub and it's our um, responsibility collectively as a community to ensure that future generations of artists will be able to live here. And I think documenting what we have done now is just one small way of saying we love you, Martha's Vineyard, and really want to thank Amanda for igniting the passion that I have mm-hmm. for this island through Vineyard Folk. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, again, this is only now my fifth summer up here and, and tomorrow's telling me I have to stop using that, lo- that line of I'm new here, but certainly last summer and, and going to all these um, spaces and places and meeting all these people and interviewing and researching it. I had such a, I got such an education on the island that just sort of deepened mm-hmm. my understanding. And so I hope that that by the same token, that that's a gift that we can give to all readers, that it deepens their understanding of the history and the ties that connect people of this place. Mm-hmm. So I do. And so that if they're driving by a flower stand, they think, oh, wait, that's Krishana's flower stand. Mm-hmm. And she's leasing that land for $1 and um, from... Mm-hmm from the town of Chilmark and, you know, just mm-hmm. have 
just have that depth of understanding and, right. and also not take anything for granted. Right. I really do feel like there needs to be like a, I mean, not like a tour with a tour bus, but the people could come, you know, look at the book and maybe pick out three or four that really resonate with them. And that would be, they would focus their trip around, you know. Well, they can actually. Yeah. Yes. Someone just, I just met some, a, a publisher who, who was talking about who I met at a publishing event and she bought the book and turns out she comes up here and she just wrote me and said, what, are there any of these artists that I can go sort of visit with friends? And I said, yes, most of them actually you can. So that's fabulous. So you're giving back to the artists too. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just thrilled beyond to have you two on the podcast. And we're so excited to introduce this spectacular, splendid, mm-hmm. magical book that you two have put um, out into the world. And we'll have that in, you know, a link for everyone. And uh, hopefully one day we'll all get to come to Martha's Vineyard and learn more about all these artists and see what you two come up with next. All right. Well, thank you, thank so, you so, so much. Yeah. Welcome to everybody into the world of Vineyard Folk. It is some kind of magical right. place, but if you come here, you'll see that it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of us actually live here in February. Right. How much fun would that be, though? It it's pretty great until a, until a tree falls on your house. Right. Well, we had that in Alabama, so <laughs> from Tornado. So, all right. Thanks again, uh-huh. thank you, Delia and Amanda, mm-hmm. and have a beautiful rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.